reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. He was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no bleach on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say, they were so terrified. Then a cloud came, cast a shadow over them, and a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Suddenly looking around, the disciples no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate to anyone what they had seen, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. Then they asked him, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He told them, Elijah will indeed come first and restore all things. Yet how is it written regarding the Son of Man that he must be suffer greatly and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. Gospel of the Lord. Can't help read this passage without thinking that in nine days, Tim and I and the other pilgrims will be at the top of Mount Tabor having Mass. And it is a tall, tall mountain. They would have been very exhausted having hiked up to the very top of it. While they were there, something would happen that they'd never be able to forget. Jesus, who out of humility had come down from heaven to earth and hidden himself in our nature, all his glory was contained within human appearance, was shown to be who he really is. He glowed with his own divinity through his humanity. Moses and Elijah were talking to him. He was being treated not as he would be by the chief priests and the scribes, not as he was by the Pharisees. He was being treated as he really was, conversing with the greatest heroes of all in the center as they were listening to him and talking to him about their Passovers as he was preparing for his own exodus from life through death into eternity once again. And while they were there, their eyes were opened to see things as they really are. They were able to focus truly on the Lord. and They wanted that experience to continue. We need to have our eyes opened so that every moment is transfigured, so that we're able to see things as they really are, not merely by the appearances we behold. That when we look at the Eucharist, we truly see Jesus. That when we look at another, as C.S. Lewis says, we would never see a mere mortal because they 
are a reflection of the divine. They are a reflection of God. But I want to talk about another sense today in order to tie this gospel to the first reading. God the Father speaks only three times in the whole New Testament. He speaks at Jesus' baptism. He speaks during the Last Supper. And the second time, the middle time, is here at the Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John had already been following Jesus for two years. They had been listening to all his great parables, his Sermon on the Mount, his preaching in the synagogue there of, at Capernaum. So many other times, Jesus had been teaching them along all their journeys as they were going from town and village, one town and village to the next. And yet, this very reticent God the Father, from the cloud, says to Peter, James, and John, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. The Father knew that they had been selectively listening. They were hearing his words, but they weren't really acting on them. They weren't really allowing them to take on their own flesh. They weren't saying, as Mary did, let it be done to me according to your word. There was still a resistance. There was a partial apprehension because there was a partial attention. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Those words are meant to occur not merely if we hike up to the top of Mount Tabor and Jesus appears in dazzling white and a cloud comes down and he's conversing with Moses and Elijah. This morning, God the Father says, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. He says the same thing yesterday. He says the same thing tomorrow. To listen to Jesus. Not just to lend our ears so that we're kind of paying attention, but to hang on his words. Yesterday we spoke about being doers of the word, about acting on what the Lord has given, especially as we prepare for Lent. On those words, Jesus said that we can't be his disciple unless we deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. God the Father is saying, listen to him. What's one of the reasons why we don't listen? There are various factors, but one of the most important is our pride wants us constantly to be speaking. We don't listen carefully because oftentimes we're thinking about the next thing we want to say. We're thinking about our reaction rather than about God's action. And St. James zeroes in on that in the first reading today. Talks about the sins of the tongue. We don't talk about it enough, probably because I sin by the tongue too much and I'm rather blind to these things on occasion. He describes how we put bridles into the mouths of horses in order to be able to control them. He talks about a rudder that controls a whole boat. He talks about how the tongue can be like a match that can light a whole forest on fire. We need to recognize how powerful the tongue is. And because often we speak too much, we start forest fires everywhere. We start boats on their path toward capsizing. We become wild horses rather than real powerful thoroughbreds. In order for us to be able to use that tongue for God's glory rather than to do damage, 
We need constantly to be listening to the Lord. We need constantly to be seeing the Lord. So often we get into trouble with our tongue because we speak too fast. If we were only to take a second or two and just to have a quick little reflection, Lord, what do you want me to say? A lot of the times it's say, say nothing, especially when you're angry. Say nothing. Bite your tongue a little bit. At other times, he'd say, this is what the person really needs to hear. What the person's saying to you is just an external sign of an interior pain. And what you really need to say in response is to address the pain rather than to address the provocation that may have come from the other person's lips. This morning, there was an article in the New York Times. I, on, the reporter was here last week for Mass. And I found out about it because by the time I woke up this morning, I had 25 email messages, probably about 23 of which were totally insulting, as you'll see in any of the com boxes, all about referring to every priest as a child abuser and everything else like this. These are all people who read an article and immediately want to send something insulting. Some of the times we can do the same. But in responding to those, we've got to get to the core and not just address the issues. These are people who are hurting and these are people who are misled. Before we use that flamethrower, we've got to think about what the Lord would say in a similar circumstance. That's the way we bridle our tongue. And in order to do that, we need to have that vision and we need to have that listening. The listening to the word of God is key if we're ever going to use our tongue appropriately. Because the more attentively we listen to the word of God, the more his word becomes our words. And that's really got to be the goal, that we are so attentive to the way he speaks, to the way he teaches, to the way he sees things, that even without thinking about it, when we go on autopilot, we start echoing those same words and applying them to our circumstances. That's the goal. It requires an awful lot of work. St. James says at the beginning of the reading, if anyone does not fall short in speech, he is a perfect man. So we're going to struggle on this until we're six feet under. But we need to continue to struggle. At the beginning of every Mass, we turn to God the Father and we ask him for his forgiveness for all our sins including what we've said. Let us ask the Lord who grants us that mercy to fill us with the grace so that we might always speak of the Lord to all we meet, speak with the Lord's own words to our interlocutors, and speak with the body language that will make those words.